0: Hey, welcome to Pastor Standing Firm. My name is Jeremiah and I am Brian Bauer and we are here to talk to you today about what's happening in our culture and what's going on all around us. Brian is a friend of mine. We are pastors in the Chicagoland area. I've been here for just about five years now. And interestingly enough, when I started at the church that I'm at, Brian was planting his church at about the same time. And Mm -hmm. we've been here just, uh, you know, do ministry, be friends, send text messages. And since the pandemic has changed everything. Yeah. We have been in good contact, and so let me give you a little background about me, and I'm going to let Brian introduce himself. Uh, I am uh, 40 years old. I've been married for 17 years to my amazing wife. We have two kids, and we are from Georgia. We moved to Illinois five years ago to become the lead pastors of Living Water Community Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois, and that's about me. All right. Uh, My
1: name is Brian uh, Bauer. I planted a church five years ago, about 20 minutes south of you, in the southwest suburbs of Chicagoland. I grew up here, but uh, met my wife in Dallas, Texas, and then spent a lot of ministry years in Wisconsin and up by the Twin Cities, and then moved back here uh, several years ago and planted the church five years ago. I have five kids, um, and... uh, just going and blowing and swinging and and navigating weird days and times and and we're still a portable church so uh covid and portable has been fun crazy yeah wild and uh and what's 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 so cool is we've been in probably in the last 18 months a dozen, a dozen different locations and we've grown in every one wow which, okay. how does that happen and, <laughs> and and then in a pandemic on top of it wow yeah, God's been good.
0: That is so encouraging. It just shows you when you preach the gospel, God brings the increase. Yep. yep. Some plant, some water, but right. God brings the increase.
1: It's not my sexiness. I know that.
0: <laughs> so here's why we're doing this. Uh, Brian and I have been walking together through the last two years. Yeah. That's just been crazy. And no doubt. we've been just watching everything that's been happening in the world. And we've been trying to keep each other kind of grounded. Say, so, hey. You know, we're still here. Encouraged. Yeah. And uh, I just found that there's a need. There's a need for pastors to be encouraged to do the bold, courageous things that are needed today. And although I have some really great friendships, I haven't found a lot of really great encouraging material out there, whether it's videos, podcasts, books, I just haven't found somebody who's just really speaking directly to the issues. I've found in my relationship with Brian, just been like, dude, this guy has the heartbeat of exactly what I've been thinking. And so I said, Hey, what do you think about doing a podcast? I've got some equipment and let's just get in there and let's just encourage people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've experienced some things that I haven't and uh, I remember, I remember one instance, and I want that is yours to share when it's time. But I remember one instance, you coming back from something, saying, "Man, I experienced this," and and I was like, "Hey, this dude gets it <laughs> for the first time ever." You know, the truth is, we're living in a time where pastors really have to make a decision of taking a stand or or standing down. Yes.
0: And there's really not an in-between. They're forcing you to do that. Right. You're being forced to yeah. either take a stand or to stand down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think it's very obvious. And if it isn't to you, it's because you, you don't want to open your eyes. Yeah. Um, or you want to believe it's the last move of God and not this move of God. It's a different day. It's a different time. Um, it's We're not at war. Obviously, we know what the Bible says, right? We aren't at war against flesh and blood. Yeah right? Against powers and principalities. But it's almost as if a good chunk of ministers and pastors have said, we're not at war at all. You know, just, just the war is being kind and passive and, and just letting things go
0: and doing what we're
1: told. And then
0: let's make some really relevant services and Absolutely. let's make sure that we've got all of the LEDs and all of the things. And I'm just like, man, today's a new day.
1: Yeah. Like, that's
0: right. who cares about all that other stuff? Now's the time to dig into the trenches. One of the things that I've been impacted by the most recently is as I'm reading through Paul's writings in the new Testament, especially the ones to Timothy and to Titus, I'm finding that like, this should have been like, the required reading for Bible college. Like Mm -hmm. when I went to master commission, this should have been the thing that they said, regardless of anything else, you need to read the book of Titus and you need to do what this man says to do. And that's where I've been so impacted. Titus chapter two, starting in verse 11 says for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, Mm. training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of our great God in Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unlawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works i've been so impacted by that scripture i just can't escape it it just keeps captivating me because it says the grace of god has appeared like we're living in days when the grace of god is so visibly evident in stark contrast to the way this world is operating the world i mean we live in illinois i mean they've still got a statewide mask mandate here in the middle of this whole thing, we are still walking around and people are covering their faces up. I I, I I, just can't even, like, being an American my whole life and seeing all the freedom and we love freedom and all this kind of stuff. And the way that the government has come in and instituted all of these things.
1: Right. And overnight. <laughs> and in concert with the rest of the world.
0: With the rest of the world, not, man.
1: Not, it's not. You know, say it's different states to state, and it is somewhat, but the truth is the rest of the world jumps in and says, you're going to do this. And thankfully, at least in our country versus other nations, I mean, people are getting beaten in the streets. I saw it, man. People are getting arrested. If they have COVID, some nations are putting them in a concentration camp. I saw that. And we as pastors are just saying, well, you know, it's it's a season. It's COVID. Like, no, this isn't a season. Yeah. This is a movement. And it's, and it, and I believe there's more happening. I had a friend who I love very dearly, and they just stood on a different side of the issue with me. And we agreed to disagree, and we're still friends. But I remember them saying to me, Look, all that's happening here is a health crisis and nothing more. And I remember saying, Man, I, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that yeah like do you, do you do you not have a twitter account do you never scroll anything do you not do you do you, and do you not have facebook do you not do you do you, what news are you watching you know when the rest of the world and our nation is in you know utter
0: chaos i've seen multiple ministers pastors ministries from australia reaching out to people in the United States saying we need to get out of here because this government is so oppressive right now. Like the word tyranny has never meant more than it does today. Absolutely. Like the founding fathers of the country that we live in right now would absolutely be appalled Mm -hmm. at the lack of courage that citizens in this country have exhibited over the past two years. Yeah. The the 14 days, 15 days to slow the spread, everybody was kind of like, hey, let me just take a step back and let me just help out. Right. And everybody was very cooperative. But then they just started and kept on going and more and 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 here as a pastor, I'm I feel so responsible. I, I feel like God appointed me to be here for such a time as this so that i could stand up and lead like there are people who are out there they're forced to get a vaccination they're forced to wear a mask they're forced to do this just so they could provide for their family Mm -hmm. because i work for a religious institution i've been given so many freedoms that other people don't have. The freedom to pray and to think and to contemplate and to read and to say, God, what do you want to use me to do today has fueled me. And I've been searching for people who are of the same mindset because I'm alarmed. Mm -hmm. I'm alarmed. There's an urgency about my life right now that I just say, I cannot sit on the sidelines. Well, All of this is taking place. And there's a whole spiritual battle that is happening behind the scenes that I think that we've got to become aware of. There is a spiritual principalities and powers situation that is controlling so much of what's happening in our everyday lives. And what we've got to do is be spiritually sensitive enough to say, okay, how do we equip God's people? Because they're zealous for good works. That's what Jesus said, or Paul told us in Titus. He said that Jesus is preparing the body of Christ to be zealous for good works. Mm -hmm. Good works doesn't just mean being a greeter at church on Sunday. Yes, that is a great work, and I'm not minimizing it. But I'm saying there's now a place where the enemy's camp has now approached the doors of the church. And I think it's supposed to be the opposite. I think the doors of the church are supposed to be approaching the gates of hell, according to Matthew chapter 16. And we are supposed to be taking a forceful advancement against every work of darkness.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, and I think this podcast is, is now here and exists, and we're, we're raising our voice because so many people are not addressing anything now all the pastors are basically just working within their own context, but, but to me the greater problem is the guys with a bigger voice or a bigger audience or a bigger church or a bigger ministry or well-known or been around a while are basically parroting the culture and saying, no, you don't, or, or if you say, hey, I, I don't know if I agree with this, you are considered a white nationalist. You're considered, you know, a part of the patriarchy. You're considered, you know, you're, you're aligning yourself as a Trumper, or whatever, fill in the blank. But if you basically say, I dissent from a certain political view, uh, I dissent from the idea that the church is sup- supposed to shut down maybe ever, Right. In a biblical mindset, I don't, I don't know if the church does shut down Right, we all, as you said, we'll, we'll, we'll meet you in this in the beginning. We'll all go along. But then when it meant to month two, month three, month four, then we're like, wait a minute, pause, hold on. Well, it's this virus. It's unique. It's and it's the thing is, it's I don't think so. You know, but because there's too many inconsistencies, there's too much breakdown. And so to say, you're this or you're that, I think it's time we extricate ourselves and say, no, 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 I'm not right, I'm not left, I'm a kingdom person, I'm a biblical person, and we need to start leading and believing from this perspective, uh, from Judeo-Christian values belief system and have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. And we need to stand up and speak that biblical worldview out and say, no, 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 no. This is what we live by. This is what we abide
0: by. And this is what is actually the betterment of humanity. No person, no political party, none has the ability to dictate to me how I'm supposed to live my life. I live according to the word of God. I live from the freedom that the word of God gives me and the Mm -hmm. freedom that it gives me to do good works, to be zealous for good works. And when there are things that are preventing the church from doing the good that it's been called to do, there has to be a red flag that comes up in our minds and says, hey, 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 there's something off here. Yeah. And, and that's been the biggest thing that's driven me to want to do this is because I just feel like there's not enough people who are alarmed, who are uh, red flag, like be aware there's something yeah. going down today right. and it's not going to change. People are like new normal and all that kind of stuff. No, no, N- there's no new normal. Like this clearly what's happening. I saw it in Germany just last week mm-hmm. that the police were walking around with six foot sticks measuring sticks measuring to make sure that the people who were gathered outdoors were six feet apart right that's foolishness right it's foolishness to fall for that
1: right and i'll tell you where where i fell down is we we shut down for two weeks we we met in a school and we haven't met in a school since uh but we met in a school for our first three and a half years and of course, you know, COVID comes and there's nobody's allowed in that school except the janitorial staff, which is, again, like, okay, why them, but not. But anyway, no, I digress. When it, when it started being a month, then we're going into the second month, and then we went into a third month. At that point, I, I began to say, you know what, we're going to meet you, but it's at what point do you say, yeah, but my Bible says don't forsake the gathering. Yeah. And then people were like, well, the church, you know, the church can be outside the walls. It's not bound to walls. Well, let me upend your philosophy on that. I was never within the walls because we don't have walls. We borrow other people's walls. <laughs> we, we rent other people's walls. We were never bound within the walls, but we are all bound, according to Hebrews, to the ecclesia, the gathering. Yeah. If you're a believer. And the believers said, I can stream it online and I'm still part of the gathering. Yeah, maybe for a season but not on a permanent basis. That's that's like saying, well, I'm walking with the Lord, but I am i don't go to a church. Man, you, you can do that for so long till you're just not, right? I mean, you can only be, for example, like you could leave your spouse for a certain period of time, but if you're separated from that spouse for a while, what happens just by default? Legal separation, mm. right? The same thing's true in the church. And I, do I know what the line is? No. When your heart is with the Lord and when it isn't anymore? No, that's his job as the judge. But my, our job as pastors, our job as leaders, our job as people of God is to discern our own hearts and say, what's leading us away from the word, or in this case, the ecclesia? Why does the government get to come in and tell us how we're going to worship? You can worship, all right. We'll let you worship if you're X amount of feet apart, if you have this over your face, if you don't sing a song, uh, you can only have this many people in the space to worship. At some point, when what is the point that church leadership stands up and says, No, no, you, you you're not gonna tell us how to worship. You can't do it. Like the only thing that's going to inform my worship is the word of God and the spirit of God nothing else is going to say this is how you can worship the way you can worship. Man,
0: there are churches that are standing up. Like there are, there are pastors who are standing up during these days. Mm -hmm. And I've been amazed at it. We're going to have one of these pastors from Illinois who actually filed a lawsuit Mm -hmm. against the governor of Illinois on a Friday at 9am. They submitted the lawsuit because they were, being asked to not meet, they filed it at nine a.m. Eleven a.m. comes around, same day, mm-hmm. and the team of lawyers from the governor's office contacted their lawyers to say, "How can we make this go away?" They knew they would be, they would lose. It was unconstitutional. Wow. They knew it. Wow. They knew the state had no ability to tell the church anything. Right. And they filed it, they settled it outside of court, and they, they are the reason why, mm-hmm. as Illinois churches, that we were only given recommendations from the state health department instead of mandates. Right. There's a church that I just saw yesterday. It's a, a Calvary Chapel church mm-hmm. in Costa Mesa, California, and they've been fined by the state, get this, $3.8 million. Unreal. Unreal. There are pastors that are standing up and we've got to carry the line. We've got to do our part. Like we've got to take it. Who cares how big our churches are? It It doesn't matter. We are a spiritual entity that is taking a stand on the word of God to obey him and to bring worship to God. That's been the biggest thing is how much has the enemy taken away God's worship, the worship people reading the word publicly men standing with hands lifted high in prayer like the scripture declares i want men to lift holy hands and pray i've been thinking about how much has been taken away from the lord and how mm. how real this spiritual battle is yeah
1: yeah absolutely and i think
0: the pushback
1: from a lot of people is our job is to submit to the governing authorities. That's that's what we're supposed to do. Romans, you know. 13. Uh, Romans 13. And why don't you just do that? And that's what we're supposed Jesus said, you know, if your enemy ca- asks you to carry his cloak, you carry it too. That's what you're supposed to do right now. And why can't you just do that? Why don't you just, you know, get your vaccine, put on the mask, or your fifth or eighth vaccine, whatever it is, and... Do these things and go along to get along because you're the one hindering the gospel by not doing this. I understand that that's the pushback. You and I know even regionally spiritual leaders of large things. That's their stance. Like you're supposed to go along. Well, it's safe.
0: (laughs) It's safe, Brian. Right. but.
1: My a, argument is one that that is that is not a biblical worldview. It's not. That's a minimalist biblical worldview. Do we submit to governing authorities? Yes, till until they go against scripture, and then we don't. We now that being said, we don't grab arms. Right? We don't. We don't go to literal war. We go to spiritual war, and we go to godly resistance. And so, for example, when it says you can't gather, we say, "No, I'm sorry. Well, you have to get." You have to get this medication in order to be a part of a gathering. We know churches who are doing that, right? Then what I would tell you is if, you, if your view is just submit, submit, submit all across the board, what I would tell you is you, you have a really poor view of just the New Testament. Paul is a guy who leveraged his Roman citizenship on more than one occasion to get out of prison, to say what you did to me was illegal and wrong, and to preach the gospel and to gather Peter did the same thing to say that New Testament, New Testament believers were not arrested, tortured, and killed because they passively submitted until they were allowed to.
0: Listen, <laughs> every single one of Jesus' disciples were executed. Except for John, he was attempted to be executed. He wished he he, would have been executed. (laughs) He survived, and then he wrote this crazy book called The Revelation. And, uh, you know, good thing he was alone uh, because people would have thought he was crazy writing all the stuff that he wrote. But listen, the fact that all of these people rebelled taking the gospel, they, they rebelled against the earthly system that was in place to take the gospel. And because we've been raised in an environment where... Everything's been good, and now it's like everything's being shaken, and it's saying, okay, different day, different game plan, open up the new playbook, it's time to hire a new offensive coordinator, like, Mm -hmm. we're going to change the whole plan, we're going to do it differently, and we've got to hear the Holy Spirit telling us this, like, I cannot... Imagine doing church the way I've had so many people in our congregation, although my messages have definitely changed over the past year, they've come up and said, thank you, pastor. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I've, 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 I've heard so many people say they need a spiritual leader. Who's going to stand up and preach the truth Mm -hmm. and not just placate, not just say the things I've heard. It said for too long that people vote with their feet, and with their yeah. checkbooks yeah and i'm saying i don't really care like i don't care if this place gets repoed i don't care if i don't care at this point we're like,
1: looking for a building so if by a chance <laughs> you know it's really crashing in on you just let me know <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i'm serious i'm at a point where i'm just like listen i'm at a point of no return if you've ever seen uh Back to the future three, right. you know, they're driving the train and they're going to ride it on the tracks that don't exist because mm-hmm. they exist in the future. Like that's where I'm at. I'm at a point of no return. We're past a point, and this thing is going and mm. I'm going to ride it out until Jesus comes back or until God has different plans.
1: That's good. That's good. And I think God is calling all leadership to that. But many are saying no, and I can unpack a whole thing here. Tommy Barnett wrote a great memoirs book just just two years ago called What If, and it's really his memoirs of ministry and what all that God did, and he gets really candid in the book about his own uh, struggles and depression. I mean, it's just awesome, just a phenomenal book. But at one point, he, he unpacks, and I've been trying to write a book just on this topic and Who knows, maybe somebody will steal my idea now that I'm saying that on a podcast. But he he mentions three, he said, I've seen three great moves of God in my lifetime. And the first was the, uh, and this is from a spirit-filled perspective or spirit-empowered or spirit-baptized, whatever term you want to use. No offense to those who are non-Pentecostal charismatic in our audience. Uh, We love you and we thank you, the Holy Spirit's in you. So, but the first move was like the voice of healing movement you know, the, the Gordon Lindsay's and the Oral Roberts and, and stuff. And he said, but that movement ended and that movement ended because they grieved the Holy spirit by saying, I have the biggest tents and I saw the most healings and the most people came to mine." and the Holy spirit was grieved and he shut it down. And the next movement he saw in his lifetime was the charismatic renewal or, or some people call the Jesus movement where you have Catholics and, and others you're getting saved in mass and and they're preaching and they're speaking in tongues and and they're getting saved across the country. The Calvary church is a result of that movement. And he said, but that movement ended because a chunk of them got into weird theology and you couldn't correct them. And their answer was just praise the Lord. And he said, the third great movement I've seen in my lifetime. Now he said this two or three years ago. Okay. He said, the third great movement I've seen in my lifetime is the relevant movement. And he goes, and I was largely a part of it. And we cleaned up the parking lot, and we made our sermon illustrations big and fun and lights, and, and we made our churches look more like office buildings. Than, and I'm, I'm taking artistic license with what he said here. But he said, but I believe that these are his words, but I do believe that movement has ended because it became a washed in political correctness. It was a move of the Lord, but that movement is over and great leaders that we know, love and respect are still stuck in that movement saying, now get, get this medication or wear your mask or distance or shut down your church or silence your message on this or silence your message on, on race theory or silence your viewpoint on that or capitulate to this or apologize for that. Just, just. Basically, adopt the worldview of the government, which is secular humanism at best, and at worst, satanic, Yeah, and saying, adopt that, preach that in your pulpits, and then fit the Bible in where it goes, where we think, or make this, what is, whatever culture's saying, the Bible must be fine with it. No. <laughs> it's just time to say, guys, I love you, not, not with a fist in our hand. But well, with a courage in our hearts and a sword in our hand.
0: No, no, no. What this I love far, about, no further. What I like about this conversation is it's it's really setting the stage for, like, the heart and soul of, like, what this podcast is going to be all about as we interview other pastors, we're going to have phone calls with people from around the country and around the world. In fact, we're going to be talking with people in other countries who are experiencing severe, severe restrictions Mm. on the body of Christ because of a government. I think there's one thing that we can all just take a moment and just say, do we believe that the government is trying to be good to God and his church Or do we believe that the government has its own agenda and it it does not care about the affairs of the Lord and spiritual matters? I I think answering that question will help you to process everything else out because we're seeing from the way that the state of Illinois has treated churches— that clearly they have no honor, respect, or regard. They're just trying to get as much power as they possibly can without upsetting things to the point that the people are going to become aware that the government is no longer serving the people, but now it is solely existing to get larger and more powerful and take more authority over people. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing with the politicization of everything, I mean, I've got a book right here. It's called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher, and it's called A Manual for Christian Dissidents. Basically, he interviews these people that came out of the, the communist totalitarian regime that hit... Eastern Europe. Yeah, Poland. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and he's interviewing these people, and there were pastors who were speaking up during these moments before this large government took over, and these people he's interviewing, they're now in their 70s and 80s, but they were disciples of Jesus, church-going people, and their spiritual leaders at the time were telling them, wake up. Yep. Something bad is happening. Guard yourself. Get ready. Understand what the word says. They were all saying these things, and and sure enough, the government took complete control of people's lives. Mm-hmm. They they tried. They were unsuccessful because God is more powerful. They tried to silence the church, and these disciples had to go underground. Had to have secret meetings. Had to go through some of the most difficult, trying. Tribulations, and now in their seventies, eighties, and nineties, they're meeting with this man, and they're saying these are the things that were were wow. our spiritual leaders were telling us. They were telling us, and that's where I feel like we're at. I feel like we're at a moment right now. Yeah. And I love what you had said earlier as you were telling me about Esther and yeah. Mordecai. Mordecai and sends and I want you the letter to listen Esther. to this. Mordecai
1: sends the letter to Esther as, as the Jews are about to be slaughtered because of Haman. Mordecai sends a reply to Esther in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this.
0: And we use that. We, we say such a time as this, but I've never felt more this is justified in saying that stance than right now. Now's the time. Yeah. This is the moment to say,
1: and here's one of the objections I heard, Jeremiah, and I'd love to hear your response. One of the objections I heard, well, that's fine because the church does better underground anyway.
0: That's crazy. There, there is no reason to give up ground to, to the, the enemy. enemy. I mean, there's, there's just no reason to give up ground. Right. Where, where in the Bible do you see the New Testament church being like, man, I, I really hope I get eaten by a
1: lion today.
0: <laughs> Listen, Ephesians chapter 6 is the, the title of this podcast, Pastors Standing Firm. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. When you've done everything else to stand, stand firm. Yeah, stand, stand Firm. Firm. Man, I just feel like what we're doing is trying to breathe encouragement into people, pastors, spiritual leaders who are ready to go to war and say, yes, we're with you. Mm -hmm. We got this. God's given us this ground. This is the moment. This is Joshua. This is going into the promised land, and there's giants living there, and there are walled cities, and there's fortified what are we going to do? And Joshua has an encounter with the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. And he says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And he said, neither. In the name of the Lord, I'm standing here. I'm saying to you, it's time for us to stand firm on God's side. It's not, it's not our side. It's not America's side. It's not the church's side. It is is God's side. And we're saying, God, your word is more precious to me than my comfort, and I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. That's so good. This is our moment as spiritual leaders to say, you know what? Culture and Christ split off, and they went different directions. And you are now in a moment where you get to choose for such a time as this. Am I with Christ or am I with culture? The problem is too many pastors and leaders are trying to say, I still want to be with both. You got to be in the world, but you can't be of it anymore. And the truth is we could navigate that middle lane any uh, for a while. But now that middle lane is a thin yellow line and you're going to hit somebody or get hit. That's where we are. That's where you, you are. You just have to accept that. Stop fighting it. See, th- those who are fighting are not fighting back. It's We're not the ones who are deceived. It's the ones who are saying, we can keep going along. It'll get back. It'll get back. It'll get back. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. The idea of a Christian worldview is leading our nation, let alone our world, is gone. It's not here. And that many would argue, well, we were never living with that. Fine. But, but we had a level of favor. Now, we're not, we're not out of favor. We're the antithesis of what culture believes. We don't believe you can be any gender you want. We don't believe the the government can solve our problems and heal all our diseases. We don't believe medication can be our salvation, right? We believe those things can be helpful, good, wonderful, amazing, and even from the hand of God. But none of those things replace the word, replace our Father. And I heard this quote given to me uh, a week ago, and I thought it was so powerful. They said, you know, years ago, I was young and walking with the Lord, and, and I remember saying God, I just want to do all that you want me to do. I want to do all that you want me to do. And the whisper of the Lord came back to that person, or maybe it was a speaker who said it to him, but the whisper, God spoke to them and said, okay, I'm glad you want to do all you want me to do. What about doing only what I want you to do? man? Just what I want. And pleasing nobody else but the Lord. For a while we could do that and government didn't like it, or academia didn't like it and looked the other way. Now you've come and you've backed ourselves, we've backed ourselves into a spot where we're just about the enemy. We are now the enemy of culture because we believe differently. Now we're not, we know we're not enemies of culture, but they don't, that's not how they see us. They see us as an enemy. Now we know we love our enemies, but there's a difference between adapting to being in our enemy's culture versus
0: adopting our enemy's culture. Wow. And that's what we're doing. And listen, the people that we serve, the congregations that we serve, these people are living in this world. We have the luxury and the benefit and the freedoms of not having to capitulate to all of these things. Right. And when they come into the house of God, they need to feel that this is a different culture, that this is a different place, that there's a spirit on this place Absolutely. that is different than the rest of the world. Yes. Because that's what's going to give them the power to go out and change the rest of the world. Right. God is purifying for himself a bride that is zealous for good works. And what we've got to do is create an environment of faith that when they come into our environment, they say, wow, I am fed. I am nourished. There has been something that's been given to me here that I have not had in my life the rest of the week. Now I can go and do everything that God wants me to do. And what we want to do is we want to inspire our listeners so that they can grab a hold of some of that courage. We want to build a network of people who are just saying, yeah, let's do this together. Let's make a difference. I'm a part of lead pastor Facebook groups. And I've shared some of these types of things and I've had people publicly like saying- Denounce. We shouldn't do this. Like this is not, and I'm saying, are you kidding me? Like, Mm -hmm. if not now, when? If not me, then who? who? (laughs) I mean, it's it's like literally we're at this moment that's just saying, I see the need. Mm -hmm. I've got to do something about it.
1: Right, yeah. George Mueller- was a great man of God, right? Opened orphanages, but he also pastored a small church, about two hundred or so, you know. And during one of the seasons of ministry, a pandemic hit where he was, and all the churches around him closed, almost all, for fear of protecting his lives. He leaned into the Lord and said, "We're not going to do it," and it's not because he thought he was better than those other pastors, right? We realize everybody, every pastor's got to answer in their own context. I don't have to answer for 10,000 people in my church or a thousand. So I understand everybody has to answer different questions. We're not here to say you should do it exactly the way we think you should yeah. do it. We're saying, figure out that the enemy's on the prowl and, and, and he's after you and your church. That's it. Right. So wake up and and realize giving ground is a bad idea. Now, what, how, how you take a stand You've got to figure some of that out. We'll give you the best ideas we can. But George Mueller said, we're going to stay open, and we're going to seek the face of the Lord, and we're going to cry out to him to preserve our church. And in those several years of that pandemic, he didn't see one person in his church die. Mm. Now, that being said, we understand that that's God's mercy and grace. He doesn't, he doesn't look at himself like God exempted me because I'm special holy and you're you're less holy. No, he didn't view it that boy, way, and we don't either. We're not stupid. Our our theology isn't small, but at the same time, I can say, now I know everybody many pastors can't say this. When we open, by God's grace, we haven't seen anybody pass away. Now again, we're a smaller church. We're not a big church. But I will say, what I will say is George Mueller, and I think you and I understand something that George Mueller understood that Paul understood that we want you to understand this is not a time for the church to give ground. This is the time for the church to hold its ground because the world needs the church. Yes. They need us now. We aren't supposed to be closed. Yes. Ever. They need the gospel. They need the community. They need the ecclesia. And so do we. Yes. And to say, well, we can do that via online. No, you can't. No, you can't. Because when it says don't forsake the gathering, they weren't like, oh, uh, Paul wasn't, well, whoever wrote Hebrews wasn't writing that thinking, you know, uh, they could probably stream it though. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And we know that there's shut ins and then there's people who are extremely vulnerable and they got to, we get that. We're not talking about the exceptions though. Yes. We're talking about the whole.
0: I think that's such an important point. I mean, when I hear people talk about abortion. They're like, what about rape and incest? And I'm saying, okay. There are extreme cases that we can deal with. We're not going to make a policy based on extreme cases. Like, that's the minor thing. Like, there are, are millions of children that are not experiencing life. It's being taken from them. And we're trying to explain it away with like, oh, we've got these little extreme cases. Like, we have to use logic here and stop being lied to about what the culture says, that this is the thing. Like, I had COVID, I recovered from it, I'm fine, most people do. Don't you think, just for a minute, that you can just kind of look at things and say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. There's something off here, like something's just not lining up like the mm-hmm. details they're sharing with us, the, the numbers. I mean, the state health department here in Illinois, I was watching very early on during the pandemic. One of the news updates that the governor was giving us and he transitioned over to the health department uh, for a statement. And they said that they're counting covid deaths as anybody who dies and they test positive at their time of death. And she actually says, so if someone is in hospice care, they're already passing away. They're currently on their way to transition out of this life. And if they test positive, we're going to count that as a COVID death.
1: Right, because those hospitals who test them get fifteen to $50,000 per COVID death. Yeah. They get money back. They've created a system of incentive for someone to pass away from COVID. And you say, that's horrible. I can't believe they're doing their best. And it's like. At some point, I don't, you can't have a biblical worldview and assume that those who aren't walking with Jesus are always doing their best.
0: You cannot.
1: You just can't. The you human can't.
0: heart is wicked. And if you're not born again with the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are capable of doing all kinds of right. selfish, greedy, prideful things. And we cannot put right. our faith in people. Really? We, we just cannot. I, I, we got to put our faith in the word of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what this podcast is all about. We're, we're going to have guests come on this show that are going to challenge you because they're living it out. People who are being sued. Lawsuits are coming against them by their state governments, Mm -hmm. by the federal government. These are people who are standing up with loud voices in the culture Mm -hmm. saying, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, because that's what the church does. We tell people, repent, you're going the wrong way, you're living your life based on a wrong set of values. You're going the wrong way. Repent. That is literally what we ought to be doing. And I'm so empowered in these days to just do that, to just just unashamedly yeah. say, hey, I have now more ground to stand on than I've ever had before because clearly you're going the wrong way. Right. You're living your life on the wrong set of values and you need to be born again.
1: I'm gonna. I'll close my my side with this. About ten years ago, and I just told my church this like three months ago. I never had told anybody this besides my wife. About ten years ago. Now you got to realize, I've never been an end times guy. I haven't read the Left Behind books. I sat through the first one barely. Right. I am not an end times guy. Revelation kind of creeped me out. I always thought it was weird dragons and things with eyes and you know bowls I'm you know I'm more of a plate guy it just isn't I, I wasn't there I wasn't I just thought this is weird and anytime somebody's like I'm doing a revelation small group I'll be like I am busy whatever night that is because I did not want to go and 10 years ago and I'm a guy who I listen to the relevant podcasts I was subscribed to the magazine I subscribed to the digital once they switched to that I was on board with all of it and and Andy Stanley's my favorite and I'm not putting down all those guys, not that there's no value in any of those ministries still or, or the businesses, but I had a moment and I felt like the Lord, Holy Spirit spoke to me, and said, raise your kids as if these are the end days. And I'm like, what does that mean, Lord? What do you mean? Are you coming back soon? And that's, that's the only word I got. And I said, all right, Lord. And I felt like what that mainly meant is your children are going to grow up in a time where they are hostile to the Judeo-Christian worldview, to a biblical worldview and to stand firm anyway. And so that's what we've tried to do and teach them in, and teach them to do it in love. Not in defiance, but in love. And say, now I'm not moving on this, and I'm not moving on this. These are closed-handed issues, and I love you anyway, but I'm not going with you there. And then just a few years ago, I had a opportunity, and I had to speak. They gave me several topics, like you can speak on this, this, or this. And I chose, for the first time ever, the end times and the return of Christ. And I had never preached on that. And my wife's like, really? That's the one you're going to pick? I was like, yeah, I know. It's weird, right? I've never preached on this. 20 years of ministry, I'd never preached on this. But I felt like this. the Lord was saying, do it. And, man, it was one of the best messages, but it sparked something in me. And then in the last year or two, Louis Giglio just came out.
0: I saw that, man. And that said, was a hey, great message. Wake up, guys. <laughs> Let,
1: it's time to get up. It's time to wake up. Get out of our slumber, church. Yeah. Get out of our slumber, leadership. People of God, this is our moment. To lean in. That being said, I'm struggling in these times, too. Yeah. Like everybody, I I wrestle. I I falter. But at the same time, man, I want to, whenever that trumpet blast happens, if it happens in my lifetime, I I want my heart and life to be prepared and to be able to stand before the Father and say, I did everything I could and knew to do, and he says, well done. Instead of, well, you know, I really tried to navigate it and understand where people were coming from. There's nothing wrong with those statements. It's an attempt at nuance, but it's false nuance. It's not real depth. Real depth says, I love you and I do want to know where you're coming from. But the word of God says this. And so what you're saying may feel true, but this is the truth. Yeah. How does that flesh out? Your circumstances don't negate what the word says. My, but my word, but the word speaks
0: to all of our circumstances. So good. So good. And, and that really sets the tone for what we're doing here. I love, I love how you articulated it. It just says, like, like, we don't even know what we're doing. We literally are just doing it because the circumstances have presented themselves, and it's time to just man up. And just go for it, and let's just see what God will do if we're obedient. Uh, I'm excited about the guests we're going to have. Hey, if you tune into this podcast every week, uh, it might be Brian hosting, it might be me It'll be one of us, and we're going to have some incredible guests on here. I think once a month, it'll be just me and Brian just having a a catch-up chat, see what's going on. We'll be reading news headlines, things that are happening around the world. We'll be talking to faith leaders in other countries and seeing how they're being affected and and really just bringing you a real-world, ground-level experience so that you're equipped to equip the church, the body of Christ, to do everything that God has called us to do. Brian, I've had a great time talking to you today. I know that God is going to give us whatever he wants to give us, and we're going to do it. If there's four listeners, we're going to do this. If there's 40,000 listeners, we're going to do this because... It's a resource that I need. I need to be encouraged, and I am incredibly grateful that you joined me. And I know that God has something very powerful for all of us. Hey, thank you so much for joining the Pastor Standing Firm podcast.